It is uh, good to be uh, with y'all this evening. Uh, I know that, uh, as I've mentioned before, I'm not typically in here with y'all. Uh, Brian is, uh, is uh, out of town uh, for this part of this week. Uh, he's up in Boston uh, with the North American Mission Board as uh, they are, him and a bunch of pastors are going on their vision trip, uh, as they like to call it, uh, to go see about the uh, possibilities of, uh, um, of what church planning looks like. Um, and so uh, he's really excited. I talked to him today. Um, he's really excited about it and uh, just learning more about what's going on in Boston, a place that is, uh, what did they say? I think the statistic was I saw the, uh, the other day that it's uh, more unchurched than a lot of uh, foreign countries are um, at this point in time. And if you've ever been up there and visited, you'd probably see why um, just by walking down the streets or talking to the people, uh, very hardened and closed off uh, to the gospel. And so there's a great work up there that the North American Mission Board is doing. Um, we're going to have a, a, a guy, um, Gabe Bailey and Callie, his wife, are going to be going. Uh, they're from Cross Point Church. They'll be going up there um, to uh, plant a church up there um, coming up here shortly. And so uh, there's just a great work that is being done up there. Um, and so uh, um, a group of pastors went up there to see uh, in ways that um, we can further to help them with that, um, not losing any focus at all on what's going on in Washington, D.C., still planning on moving full forward with that and what's going on there as well with uh, Wesley at King's Church, um, but just another opportunity that, uh, that seems to be going well. Um, North American Mission Board right now seems to be doing a really, really good job. I'm encouraged uh, just by what I read and what I see and the leadership that is there and so uh, I'm excited about that. I'm also excited about the International Mission Board um, and just uh, the leadership that is there as well. I know that leadership has changed fairly recently, um, but uh, I'm excited just to see the direction that they're going as well. So that's exciting news. Um, but with that said, uh, we're going to be looking at tonight, continuing on um, in the Baptist faith and message um, of uh, 2000. And uh, one thing that I, I want to make clear as we're going through this Baptist faith and message, I don't want you to think that this is just something that Baptists may believe um, in this. Um, so this is not something that uh, as we're looking at God and we're looking at the Trinity and God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, this is not something that is just for um, the, the Baptist faith and message, uh, but anybody who considers themselves and calls themselves uh, a, a Christian uh, better believe these things. Uh, there are two things, and uh, if you've been in the basics class with me, um, at some point in time you may have heard this, but there are two things that as a Christian uh, are foundational uh, to your beliefs, okay? Can anybody name the two things that as a Christian that are foundational to your beliefs? Trinity and what? Okay, so we're going to say Trinity is one of them. The other thing is what? Does anybody know besides the Trinity? The Bible, what's written in the Bible? It's the gospel, right? So your soteriology, okay? That soter in the Greek means salvation. So it's the study of your salvation. So your Trinity, what you believe about the Trinity and what you believe about salvation is key, is foundational to being a Christian, okay? Now that probably includes within that, obviously, the virgin birth and whatnot. It fleshes itself out in that way as well. So yes, in that regards. And so we want to make sure that as we're going through this, you realize and understand how important this is. 
But at the same time, this is one of those doctrines of Scripture that you could go to some churches and never, ever hear anything about. Uh, why do we think that is? Why do we think that there may be some churches that may uh, sort of shy away from this doctrine of the Trinity? Not something you can wrap your brain around? Okay, good. What else? What do we think? Okay, so we see the Trinity playing itself very good within the scriptures, but you're not going to find that word written out in, this, in the scriptures, right? Uh, but you can see it, and I'm going to show you some places where it plays itself out. So good. Any other reasons we think that is? All right, so very good. Maybe it's just bad theology. Uh, maybe it's the fact that they don't, they don't believe in the same scriptures that we believe in, okay? Um, you know, I had, I had my pastor down in, uh, when I was down in St. Pete, Florida, tell me one time, he, you know, he said, Joby, um, there's going to be a lot of people one day uh, when Christ returns that's going to hear the phrase uh, uh, that he never knew them. And a lot of those people that are going to hear that phrase are going to be standing behind pulpits. And that is a very scary thought. Uh, but at the same time, it's a true one. It's a scary thought as I say that, and I'm sitting behind whatever this thing is um, right now, speaking to you and being a teacher, uh, as, uh, as James tells us that that obviously is a, a very high calling uh, within your life. And so this is one that we see play itself out within the scriptures a lot, okay? But at the same time, you're correct in the fact that it does not say the word Trinity at all. But what I want to do and what I want to start out with is I want to give you the three worldviews that typically uh, you're going to find, okay? Now, these flesh themselves out in a lot of different ways, but I want to give you the three that you're typically going to find, okay? You're going to find atheism, okay? When I say atheism, what do we think? What comes to mind when I say atheism? Doesn't believe in God, okay? Pantheism, what do we believe in that? Multiple, very good, okay, pantheism, multiple gods, all right, and then you have theism, which is what? One God, very good, okay, so those are your basic three, atheism, pantheism, and theism, okay, now under atheism, obviously, you may have your agnostics, you may have your atheists, uh, uh, hence the name there, and then under pantheism, you may have your Buddhist, you may have your Hindu, there's a lot of others that flesh itself out under there as well, and then under theism, typically, your, your big three are your Islam, uh, your Judaism, and then also, obviously, Christianity as well. And so those are obviously under theism is where we obviously land in saying that there is one God. Now, we have been accused of at times of saying that we worship more than one God. And the reason that we have been accused of that is the fact that we have these different roles and these different aspects of God that we see playing out within Scripture of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so in this section, more specifically, what we're going to be looking at is God the Father, okay? And so, but what we've got to understand that within all of this is that it is still what? It is still one God. Now, how God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are still three distinct persons within the head of the Trinity, but yet are still one God, that's the part 
that may become mystery, that are, we, we struggle with a little bit because of our finite minds struggle with understanding the, the infiniteness of God's mind, right? Because he is all-knowing, as we're going to see here as well. He's all-wise. And so, therefore, how it works itself out in our minds does, isn't always clear, is it? And so, therefore, as we're looking at this, we still know that it is one God, but yet there are three persons. We like to say three persons, one essence, okay, uh, is a good way to put that in the fact that they are all still there the same. And so what I want to do for you is I want to first, I'm going to give you a passage of Scripture that I'm going to say is probably one of the best places within Scripture to see the Trinity playing itself out all in one place, okay? Now, are there other passages of Scripture where we see the Trinity playing itself out? Absolutely, okay? But this is one where it's going to be, um, we're, gonna, we're going to see it, it's going to be very uh, obvious here, and it's all in one place, okay? So if you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to be looking at verses 17 through 23. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 23, and I'm going to read that to sort of set up what we're going to be talking about here and focusing on of God the Father. So on page 976 of your Pew Bibles, if you do not have a Bible at home, we would love for you to take that Bible that is there in front of you as a gift from us as we continue to try to penetrate the culture here at Perimeter Road. Uh, 976, Ephesians chapter 1, uh, verses 17 through 23. It says, That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom... And of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is name, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we can see there in that 17 through 23 of Ephesians chapter 1, we see that, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, so you see the Father playing itself out, may, <coughs> excuse me, may give you the spirit of wisdom, okay? So we see the Spirit playing itself out. And then at the very end of that, what does it say? That worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dimension and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. So we see there all three persons of the Trinity playing themselves out in that one verse. Now, you're going to see, especially uh, even when you look at the Baptist faith and message, they're going to have a lot of other scriptures that are going to speak to God the Father because you see God the Father in the Old Testament, but you also see God the Father in the New Testament as well. Um, but you're also going to see where uh, God the Son, you're also going to see God the Holy Spirit. So there's other places within scripture where they are mentioned. This is just one that I like to say has all three of them playing itself out within one scripture, okay? And, and it makes it obvious and clear for us to be able to see that. Okay, um, But what I want to do is I want to start out with 
um, right here, if you would put that up for me, Clint, a uh, diagram that you're probably all very familiar with, one that I love uh, to use. And for those of you that just went to the basics class, I know you saw this. And so I want to etch this into your brains again. And I also am going to leave it up there um, as we continue to talk about God the Father this evening. Now, I stole this from St. Augustine, okay? So this is not mine. I do not claim this at all. I do not put my signature on it, uh, but I took it from him. Um, and creativity is knowing who to steal from. And so, therefore, I want to go over with you uh, this, uh, this diagram before we look into God the Father just to give us an idea and a visual of this trinity, okay? So with this, you have God, as you can see there in the center, but you have God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit. But then on the outside, and a part that maybe can be confusing for some people, is that God the Father is not... Uh, God the Holy Spirit. God the Holy Spirit is not God the Son, and God the Son is not God the Father. Okay? So how do I work that out? How do I flesh that out in my mind of the fact that, wait, they all, as it says in the middle, in the center there, are God, but yet God the Father is not God the Son, God the Son is not God the Holy Spirit, and God the Holy Spirit is not God the Father. And so, like I mentioned, you have three persons, but you have one essence, okay? They all ultimately are God. But yet at the same time, they all have different roles that they play, don't they? So let's think about this just for a second. And those of you that were in the basics class with me this past Sunday, you should know this. But what is a role that God the Father plays? Give me one role that he plays. What'd you say? Oh, the pruner, gotcha. Okay, I was like, pruner, what's that? I mean, that's a new one to me. Pruner, gotcha. What else? What's the role that he plays? Creator, okay. So we'll, we'll put God the Father, we'll put creator. There's obviously other attributes to him, but we'll put that. All right, now what about God the Son? What role does he play? Do we know him best by? The Savior, all right, Redeemer, all right, God the Son. And then what, what about God the Holy Spirit? Huh? Comforter, helper, obviously he's the one who convicts us of the sin. Uh, and so therefore you have God, the Holy Spirit. Now also he is the one, and they're going to talk more about this one, but he's also the one who helps us to be able to know uh, about the scriptures as well and to open our eyes to God's word uh, as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. And so you have God, the Father, you got God, the Son, you got the whole, God, the Holy Spirit, and you see that they play different God uh, ordained roles. And we also know that the Father is the one who sent the Son, and the Father and the Son is the one who sent the Holy Spirit, okay? So you can see those different roles playing themselves out, but yet all at the same time, they are still what? They are still one, okay? So do not forget that, because we're not pantheistic in this, right? It's still one God. We're monotheistic, right? One God in this, um, and so you want to make sure. But at the same time, they are distinct enough that there's not just one of them that are doing all of these three things either. Because if you say that, then all of a sudden you become what? You become a modalist, don't you? As we mentioned. And that's a heresy that the church has been fighting against for years. The movie, The Shack, that's one that it struggles with. The book that was way before that that came out, it's one that it struggles with. It basically pictures God as a, as a, uh, as a being that puts on different masks. So now today, God is wearing this mask of the Father. And the next day, God is wearing this mask of the Son. The next day, God is wearing this mask of the Holy Spirit, but it's still the same person, okay? But you've got to understand that that's not true, is it? There are three distinct people in 
uh, the one essence of God, okay? Because you don't ever want to equate the part to where now all of a sudden God the Father is the one who got up on the cross and died on the cross, right? No, that was the Son. But at the same time, they are of the same essence, of the same ousia, uh, the substance as well, okay? And we're going to talk more about that. So I'm going to just leave that up there for you to be able to visualize it and see it as we continue to talk about this, this uh, very particular section of here of God the Father. So I'm going to read to you this section that we have um, not only is it in the Baptist Faith and Message, but it's also in our basics class. And so I'm going to read it to you, and then we're going to uh, go more in depth with it, even more so in depth than we do sometimes in the basics class. So it says, God as Father reigns with providential care over his universe, his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. Now let me ask you something. What does it mean that God as Father reigns with providential care? What does that mean? What'd you say? He had a plan from okay, he has a plan for the beginning. All right, very good. What else? What does that mean when you hear that? What do you think? Okay, it's going to play out according to his time schedule. Ultimately, he is in control, right? Uh, one way that I like to define this is that all of life is under the direction and government of Almighty God. All of life is under the direction and government of of Almighty God. Another way is it's under the providing care of God. Now, this day and age, uh, that is something that gets tested a lot of times, doesn't it? Uh, we want to get off on that tangent and in that boat, and I'm not here for politics, but of global warming, don't we? We want to freak out, and we want to get scared, and we want to run, and everything else, and the earth is coming to an end, but ultimately know that God is what? He is in control, isn't he? He is going to provide, isn't he? And so, so many people want to go down these paths and want to get scared to death and want to worry about this or that or about how many Cat 5 hurricanes there have been or about the earthquakes or about the wells or about whatever it may be. But ultimately, we know that God is what? In control. You can go on Netflix and you can watch hundreds of documentaries that basically are telling you that you're dying tomorrow, right? Because of what you eat or because of what you wear, or because the, all the water's gone, uh, or because of uh, McDonald's, or because of whatever it may be. But then we, as Christians, as followers of Christ, have got to go back to the fact that what? God is in control, right? And so when that anxiety in us begins to build, uh, when that stress begins to build, we've got to be reminded of that, don't we? Because there's just so many things that we, we can't even control, can we? And there's so many things that we worry about that really end up never coming to fruition at all, do they? But it's before the fact, and we start freaking out about it, but then when it actually plays itself out, everything works out fine, doesn't it? But we've got to be reminded constantly of the fact that God as Father reigns with providential care over His universe his creatures, and the flow of the stream of human history according to the purposes of his grace. Do we think that God was surprised by Irma? Do we think that God was surprised by Maria or Jose or whatever name, uh, Katrina? No, he wasn't. He knew those things were going to happen, didn't he? He allowed those things to happen, didn't he? Yes, Definitely. And then it continues on. It says, He is all-powerful, 
all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. Now think about that for a second. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. Now when we hear the phrase God the Father, sometimes within that, okay, um, we, we have given it a familial title there, okay? And we immediately, in the midst of that, what do we do as human beings? We go back to the way that what? Our earthly father has treated us a lot of times, don't we? And so in that, God the Father, sometimes we can have negative connotations of that, or maybe we can have positive connotations of that. But sometimes we may struggle with that based off how our earthly father may have treated us. Were we abused? Were we uh, neglected? Maybe our father loved our mother, but maybe he didn't love me, or maybe he didn't treat me the way I should be treated. And of course, obviously, all of our earthly fathers, myself included in this, have made mistakes at times, right? And so now all of a sudden, we may have a negative connotation of the fact that God is Father. But we've got to realize that at the same time, the God, the Father we're talking about within the Scriptures is perfect, right? Is holy, is righteous. Uh, there any of those negative sinful things you may be thinking about your earthly father is not true of your heavenly father. And sometimes it's hard for people to want to submit to the father when they're thinking about what? That earthly father that they may, that may, that they may have had. And so this we see that he is all-powerful. So if you think of about maybe the power that your father may have had growing up or a, a man may have, it's much greater than that, right? If you think about all-knowing, it's much greater than the knowledge that we have, right? Uh, much, much greater, as we talked about earlier in the fact that it is infinite and our minds are finite. That's why we find ourselves going to Scripture and then coming back to the same Scripture and even finding new things within that same Scripture that God has revealed to us at different times, but that we may have needed exactly at that moment in that time. And then all loving. So if you think about all the ways that maybe, in the familiar sense, that your, your, your earthly father has maybe not loved you, but yet we know that God, the Father, perfectly loves you, Right? And then all wise. We know that wisdom comes from who? It comes from the Lord. It's not just based off of age. Now, typically someone who is older has lived longer and maybe has more wisdom than someone who is younger, but ultimately the wisdom comes from the Lord. It's not strictly based off of age at all, but from the Lord. And so here's someone who is all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving, and all-wise. And it also says that God is Father in truth, to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. Now we see, and I'm going to read a passage of Scripture here within the Old Testament, where we see God the Father uh, mentioned here in the Old Testament. In Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, Isaiah chapter 64, verse 8, it's on page 623 of your pew Bibles. It says, But now, O Lord, you are our Father. We are the clay, and you are our potter. We are all the work of your hand. So we see here, even in the Old Testament, referred to as this God the Father. So when we're showing you these things and we're talking about these things within the Baptist faith and message, they're not just pulling these things out of thin air, okay? 
They're getting these things from the scriptures, and they're allowing these things to be sort of their foundation of what, as a Baptist church, we believe. And so here we can see in Isaiah 64, 8, where we see that playing itself out of this connotation of God as Father. But then also in Matthew 7, 11, we can see it playing itself out within the New, uh, the New Testament scriptures. Now, there are other places besides these. Um, I'm just picking these out as ones uh, that will help us to see it just in a couple of places. But you can always go back and look up the other places there that are mentioned below as well uh, with God the Father. But in Matthew uh, 7, uh, chapter 7, verse 11, page 812 of your pew Bibles, it says, If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Okay, so if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So we see not only in the Old Testament, also in the New Testament of this God as Father playing itself out. Now in the Old Testament, it was more of a theocratic type of relationship to where the people would go maybe to the priest and the priest would sort of be the mediator between God and uh, the people. But then in the New Testament, we see more of this uh, individualism a little bit of this personal relationship that you can have with God the Father. And we know now the mediator is obviously, as the priest we're pointing to, is obviously now through uh, Jesus Christ. And so now through a relationship uh, with God the Son, as we see up there in the Trinity, now we can know God the Father there on a personal, uh, in a personal way, but only through the relationship that we have with Jesus Christ and the faith that we have put in him and in him alone. And so it sort of transitions from the Old Testament to this now in uh, the New Testament. And it goes on to say that God is Father in truth to those who become children of God through faith in Jesus Christ. He is fatherly in his attitude uh, toward all men. And I want you to know that this God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, one thing I want to make clear is that this is something, as I mentioned before, that it has been there ever since the beginning. It is not something that is new, okay? And the fact that we see even in Genesis, uh, what is it, chapter 1, verse 26, um, I'll just flip there really quickly and read it to you, but you see this this, uh, uh, this us, this plural sense that is stated, it says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So even in the beginning in Genesis 1.26, we see where there is this us, okay? Where Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, they were there even in the beginning, even in Genesis. Because when we talk about God the Father and the relationship that Jesus has with God the Father, it's a completely different relationship in some sense than we have with God the Father, but in some sense it's the same, right? And the fact that God the Father did not create, let me hear you say that, God the Father did not create God the Son, okay? Um, I, I love John, obviously, the passage, the most famous verse of John 3.16, 
But I love the one that includes, I'm not a big fan of the ESV translation because it, not, it does not include the begotten part of John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Some versions say son, but then some versions say his only begotten son. So the question becomes, well, what does that begotten mean? It means that Jesus Christ, God the Son, was begotten, not what? Not created, because why? Because he's of the same essence or the same usia or the same substance as God the Father and God the Holy Spirit. You see the center there is God. So don't for a second begin to think that God the Father created God the Son in the same way that God the Father created who? Created us. Because we know in the Psalms, what does it say? We are knit in our mother's wombs, right? He created us. He knit us in our mother's womb. And so in that sense, we are not the same, right? Also, if you think about it in the sense of your father, who is older, who is stronger, who is more wise than you are, maybe first when you were born, but then he is teaching you these things. But that's not the same as God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit relationship. They all ultimately are what? They are God. And so we see in Genesis that they all were there in the beginning. And we're reaffirmed that, aren't we? In John 1, 1, right, we see that very closely with Genesis 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning, what, with God. All things were made through him, and nothing was made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. John 1, 1 through 4. And so we see there that even in the beginning, the Word, which is Jesus Christ, was there in the beginning, and so he's always been there. He's always existed along with the Father and along with the Son. So don't for a second think that that relationship between God the Father and God the Son and the relationship between us, God the Father, and us is exactly the same. There are some things that are the same, but it's not the exact same in the fact that we are created, okay? We are made from, what is this, ex nihilu, and out of nothing, Okay? But God the Son was not created in that way. He was already there, okay? He already existed along with God the Father because they ultimately were what? God. And it goes on further, and this will be in the Son section, but that's ultimately why God the Son was the perfect sacrifice, right? Because he was fully God, but yet also fully man in the incarnation, in the infleshing of Jesus Christ. And so I just want to make sure that I clarify that as we talk through this in the, in the fatherly sense of the word, um, because there are some things that we share with God, and there's some things that we don't share with God, okay? And those are called communicable and incommunicable traits, okay? The communicable traits are the traits that we share with God. As a follower of Jesus Christ, these are the traits that we share with God. The incommunicable traits are the traits that we don't share with God because only God has those traits. So somebody give me an example of a communicable trait. Eternal life, okay. Somebody give me another one. What'd you say? Okay, the, the ability to be able to love. So if you think about it, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness. We just went through those, didn't we? Um, those are all communicable traits, traits that we are given by God, okay? Now, we wouldn't have them if we didn't have a relationship 
with Jesus Christ, but ultimately we are given to them by God. Now, what are some incommunicable traits that God has that we don't share with him in any way? Omniscience, all right, the things, a lot of the things we just mentioned, right? Uh, all powerful, all knowing, all loving, all wise, um, everywhere. God ultimately is everywhere. God knows the past, the present, and the future. Even Satan doesn't know everything. He doesn't know the past, the present, and the future. He only knows the past and the present. And so, therefore, that's how we can see God doing things and, and, and using Satan in certain ways to accomplish his mission uh, and his purposes for our lives. Um, we see that playing itself out in Job. Um, but at the same time, we can see that those, obviously, all the all the alls, the omnis, are, are things that God has that we don't have as well. So there's certain things that we do share, but then certain things that we don't share as well. And so as we're thinking about this, it's, it's, it's amazing to me to think of the fact that God would, uh, in a sense, allow himself to have this familial trait of the father and be, uh, be named this in the Greek pater, which means father. Um, and so in some sense, we can relate to that and understand that. And maybe that helps us to have this connection with him. But at the same time, we don't want to make, we want to make sure that we realize that that connection is so much different than the connection um, that we may have even with our earthly father, because our God, the father is so much greater than our earthly father, right? He's so much greater than I will ever be, uh, to my sons. He will love my son so much greater than I will ever love my sons. And so we've got to realize that and understand that for those of us that may cringe at the fact of hearing God, the father and thinking in, inside, Oh, I don't, I don't like that terminology for him because of a, of a bad relationship that you may have had with your earthly father. But then also I think of the fact that God is all-knowing and that he knows absolutely everything about us. Uh, as Matt Chandler mentioned in one of his conferences, if you use these screens and you could put every thought that you thought throughout the week or throughout today, you'd be looking up there uh, let's say that we took Eddie's thoughts and we put them up on a screen from the ones that he had today. Y'all would all be looking at him going, oh my gosh, I can't believe he thought that. But then y'all would also be hypocrites because you probably thought that at the same point in time sometime during the week as well. But as you see somebody walk down the street, you may not say it out loud, but you may be thinking it in your brain or certain situations that happen. If we just put all of those up on a screen and displayed it, God knows all of those because he's all knowing, Right but yet he's also all loving and he loves you more than anybody on this earth will ever love you. And so it's amazing to think that he knows all of these things. And yet for those of us that have put our trust in our faith in Christ and in Christ alone, he has adopted us as sons and daughters of the most high. He has seen you in your worst moments that maybe even for some of you, your husbands or your wives have not seen you in or your fathers or your uh, mothers may have not seen you in. But yet he has seen you in those moments because you can't hide anything from him because he's all knowing. But yet he's also all loving in the fact that he still loves you the same even in the midst of that. May that break down any barrier that you have to wanting to fully embrace who God is and that he has your best interest, even interests that you don't even realize are your best interest, in his hand. That he has given you, as we talk about, everything you could want or desire. And so may we be satisfied in that and in him and what he has done for us through his son, 
Jesus Christ on the cross. And may we embrace that and know that because that's just amazing for me to think (laughs) because I guarantee you I would not want my thoughts up on that screen, even the thoughts I even had today up on that screen. But yet God knows them and he still adopted me as a son. And as we all know, people who are adopted as sons end up being what? They end up being part of the family, don't they? They end up being just like uh, one who was actually born into that family as well. So it's amazing to think of the love that God the Father has for his people and for us. So may we never forget that this evening. Let me pray for us, and then I will uh, um, bring you all up here and guide you all uh, in the next step uh, as we pray this evening. But let me close this out here in prayer. Dear Lord, we just thank you so much uh, for this evening, God. And for the great reminder through um, God, just through the Baptist faith and message, um, Lord, of God the Father, I thank you so much that they have this section in um, this belief, uh, God, uh, that they have this section in this uh, catechism, in this teaching here, God, because I I pray, God, that they would never, Lord, leave this part of the scriptures out of the Trinity, God, because it's so very important, so foundational to the beliefs of the scriptures. And Lord, I pray that we would continue to work through it, that we would continue to try to know more about it and try to learn it. And God, that we would continue to realize that, Lord, it is mystery uh, to us at times as well, and it's sort of hard to understand how it all works itself out. But God, I pray that you would continue to open up the eyes of the hearts of the people in this room as they continue to go through the Trinity, God, And as they look at God for next week, God the Son, and Lord, just the role that he plays uh, within that trinity, and what an amazing role that is. And Lord, I just thank you so much for this evening, and I thank you so much for your word, which is sharper than any two-edged sword. God, I pray that, Lord, it would cut through even the hardest of hearts tonight, and that, Lord, you would allow us, Lord, to kneel tonight before your throne of grace as we continue to pray uh, for these different requests that we have. And Lord, you are an amazing and awesome God. We would be absolutely nothing without you in our lives, God. We would have nothing and we would be nothing, God. May, Lord, uh, we begin to get our eyes off the things that may be right in front of our face, but may, Lord, we see clearly and may we begin to see, God, just how you are working and ruling and reigning in our lives, knowing that, God, you have your providential care over us and that you are governing and controlling all things, God. And Lord, we pray this in your son's precious name through the power of the Holy Spirit and by the grace of God. Amen.